Happy Tuesday. Good morning, everybody. It is the 14th of June, 2022. Wowzer. Wowzer. Wowzer is a cousin of Bowser, by the way. <laughs> okay. Isn't that amazing? Um, yeah. I mean, mid-June. Oh, yes. Yeah. I thought you meant what you said. Yes, but yes. <laughs> but it is mid-June. Mid-June, that is amazing. Mid-June. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's almost summer. Yeah. For us. <laughs> for yeah. us. It, yeah. Yeah, here. It's been feeling like summer. Yeah. It, it warmed for up. For some a, days, yeah. A notch. We did. You know, every once in a while, you have these weird things happening with the weather, and everybody knows it, you know, where it's supposed to be really hot, and it, it stays cool, and then all of a sudden, it becomes what it's supposed to be, and we're all surprised by it. Yeah. Yeah. No place to complain. It's nice and warm. That's right. Yeah. So we don't mind that. If you're looking forward to swim season here, you're maybe ready for it. Boat season, you just don't know. Yeah, yeah. You just don't know. I know there's a lot of people that fish around here. Mm-hmm. They like to catch fish. Fish. I like to eat fish. Yes, you, you yeah. do. You like people to catch fish for you. Right. Especially if it's a gumbo fish. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. It's about that time. Mm-hmm. So alert, what, alert. Fisher. <laughs> No, they all heard it. It's loud and clear. <laughs> Couldn't be louder. Pa needs fish for gumbo. Yeah, I do. I'll You're not a fisherman. So. I'm not. I'm really not. I tried, but... You're a cookerman. I'm a cookerman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring me the fish, <laughs> and I'll make something good out of it. Yeah. So we got good things going on, don't we? We do. Yeah. Mm. Immersion begins Saturday. Immersion does begin Saturday. Yeah. We have lovely people coming in. We do. Yeah. We have... A few locals, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, very excited. We are very excited. Yeah, it's our first summer immersion in two years. Is that right? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while since we had a summer immersion. Summer immersions are nice. They're longer, um, but I think you get more momentum that way, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Seven weeks. Yeah. So Yeah, it's not like the boot camp that winter immersion is. <laughs> right. So it gets packed into four weeks. Seems like winter immersion can be more of a sprint. Yeah. Summer's more of a marathon. Yeah. Something like that. Sure. In a good way. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Well, we just love Elohim, don't we? We do. Yeah. Yes. With, with all we got. That's so true. Well, you know, I seem to be on this thread maybe of um what feels like um reminders and i guess my conversation with elohim has been you know we should you know maybe gosh i feel dumb saying some of these things because it's like Mm -hmm. well do we need to say this we shouldn't have to say this but just because we shouldn't have to say it doesn't mean we shouldn't say it you know and sometimes it's just like god saying well you know we're all growing and we're all living in a world that's constantly changing. And um, because of that, there's just always something new, just like our God who's new every morning and, um, and how we're experiencing God new every morning now. And so, yeah, it just seems like there's, uh, there's new circumstances that call us to remember and be reminded. So, one of the things that I really felt um, Elohim saying over this last week, kind of a surprise, is, you know, I think for reasons, 
and that's that's all I need to say is there were reasons and there shouldn't have been. But I I do believe that that even maybe I w- I felt led of the Lord over some years ago to begin downplaying the word terraforming. You know, just really not mm. saying it so much. Gotcha. But I feel a return, if you will. Oh, and uh, so, anyway, the word is terraforming. <laughs> and and I think perhaps we're in a season where the world uh, it has an atmosphere that needs to be changed as much today as ever, if not more today than ever. And so, there's so many things happening that... that we we're saying the word thermostat more and more, and you know, of course, that's a very very old uh, description that we used of of transitioning from thermometers that tell you what the temperature is to thermostats that set the temperature. So we not only know the temperature, but we set it. And uh, with terraforming, you know, of course, began fifteen years ago. Now, yeah, right now. 15 years. And I say that because it was about now that the first key came. And uh, so it's interesting that that Elohim would say this and mm-hmm. there we are, you know. But um but of course, you know, you know prayer keys are pretty common and you know you get prayer keys and they're pretty neat. And um you know taking the the courage to to say, well, you know, with these keys, they're not my keys, actually. These are God's keys. And I think that's true of just about everything that you see out there. But um, with these, you know, what we heard was that these are the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and they're the ones of Matthew sixteen nineteen, And that's, that's a little more grandiose. And so, um, I think many of the people listening to the podcast know that and believe that, but um, either way, I'm boldly saying it because that's what God said, and I agree. So, again, not my keys, not our keys, but God's keys, and, and because they're God's keys, they're inheritance, and now they're our keys. But that's very different than something we came up with. So, uh, you know, of course, we know that the, the very first thing that God said 15 years ago now was, was the light, you know, for God to shine the light of the presence of Elohim so that, um, so that something could happen. What is that something? Well, we, we know that there are things that are happening that are being kept secret. And there are things that are concealed by God. And they were concealed on purpose, not from us, but for us. Waiting for, this is um, Solomon's prophecy. You know, it was his word of wisdom, but really it was prophecy. Um, when you really think about it, Proverbs 25 was that the uh, the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out. And the kings is this prophesied Revelation 5.10 um, royal priesthood that, that Peter referenced in 1 Peter 2.9. That royal priesthood are the, the kings and queens of the earth. And that generation that Paul said all of creation was groaning for, the sons and daughters of God, that generation is the generation called to seek out and not not just going on a treasure hunt, but actually being led in the light of the presence of God to find the things that God concealed for us, not from us, because we would need them for the season where the 
sons and daughters of God were revealed. And as we mature, we have need for those things more and more. But I think in a very, so that's, that's big, but in a very grandiose in a way, but, but if we were to take that back down to just a practical way, I think one of the things that's happening right now where we need the light badly is, um, is I think that, that there's, without light, we're going to see more and more opinions instead of truth. With light, we know truth. And, and truth is not only the antithesis of deception, but truth is also Jesus, you know, because Jesus is the truth, you know. And so, when, when the light reveals truth, not only is deception defeated, but, but we and others, the world, get to know Jesus. And so, our need for light right now is as strong as it ever has been, maybe more than it ever has been. And so, what a glorious reminder from Papa to just say, we need the light of the presence of Elohim, and we need it bad. And we, we want to live in that place of truth and, and not be lured into that place of opinion. And you know that's going to happen. You know it's always a temptation. But to have the light, praise God, we, we can be saved from opinion and, and live comfortably in the truth of Jesus. So then, of course, shortly thereafter, once we had been dutifully overwhelmed by all of the glorious things that the light revealed, God taught us the next thing to do was daily bread. And daily bread, of course, has become a culture for many of us because we're so desperate for that portion of what God has for us. When you think of God saying, and you know, here's 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I hope, um, that what is prepared for those who love God is what eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor mind conceived, something that great, something that massive, we want immediately, but God knows better. And God gives us that, that inheritance in portions. And so, we are, when we give God our free will choices, which is why Jesus taught us to ask for our daily bread every day. Why would Jesus say that? Well, because we are giving the God who is love our choice. And with our choice, uh, I, think, I think that's when God is able to respond fully and release to us that perfect portion of today. And I think what we're seeing is, is that without daily bread, that, that people right now are either overloaded, which this is my confession, of course, mm-hmm. is my vulnerable confession, is that you know, I've, I have, I've had a season of wallowing and overload, and it wasn't because I wasn't asking, wasn't because I wasn't, there's a nice double negative. Mm-hmm. It, it's not about asking for daily bread. I ask for daily bread every day, but do I live in daily bread every day? 
And do I, do I go through life, just like we said last week, moments of intimacy. We need moments of daily bread. We need momentary bread. We need our portions in the moments and not just, well, okay, I'm going to get my bread for today. But as we mature, we're going to live that by calling for it. And I think people are feeling overloaded because they're getting more than what God has for them. And that's a sign of inputs. You know, we have so many inputs right now and they're trying to they're trying to feed 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 feed, but really it's overfeed, overfeed, overfeed. It's it's to get us lethargic. Um, but you know, after a pandemic, I guarantee you Half the people listening to this and who will ever listen to this have the opposite issue that they're bored, that they're, they're feeling isolated. They, they felt, they felt like they got cut off from something with the pandemic or as the kids of today that we love say the blip, you know, where yeah. it's like this whole, like we just, we just lost all these things, you know, and, and I, I really believe that our God has um, kept for us our inheritance and we've lost nothing. And we'll all, any if we've strayed, we're going to return forward. And when we return forward, we're going to grow deeper and have everything that we need. Nothing is lost. But it's legitimate. People are feeling right now a sense of loss, a sense of abandonment, maybe, a sense of isolation after two years of pandemic. And a lot of people maybe are reacting to that, you know, and really trying to find some way to connect and some way to get access to all the things that were lost. Well, there's one way, and that is to go to our source, to go to God, and to get our daily bread, and to live in that daily bread through the moments of our day, that in every moment we can have the expectancy that God has a portion for that moment. And, and so we're always, always ready to receive the perfect quantities, just what we needed. And with God, the, the, um, the overflow that we know will always be there because we are a people who give. We're a people that receive from heaven overflow so that others can uh, glean from that overflow. You know the overflowing glean. It's just a, it's just a joy that God is so good that God would provide that. And um, so, with our daily bread course, uh, a, a few weeks after God revealed daily bread, God began to show our authority to forgive, and um, and what a powerful it, thing it is for sons and daughters of God to carry that authority so that the memory of sins that empower decay can be erased. And God will say over those sins, I remember those sins no more. And that only can be done with the authority to forgive sins with the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So when Jesus gave that authority to humanity in John 20, verse 23, that wasn't just the authority to go around and, um, and be God, you know. It, it's going around and being sons and daughters of God who have the authority as carriers of the blood of Jesus. And because without the blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, we are able to uh, rest in God because it is, it is God and God alone who, in the light 
of the presence of Elohim leads us to those people or those sins that need to be forgiven so that we as royal priests can wash them and the memory of that sin is erased and creation is set free, creation is re- redeemed and restored and, um, and purified of all of that, um, that which would separate us from the presence and the love of God. So, and of course, it's with that authority is how we become thermostats because we have such authority, the authority of Christ. Revelation 12, verse uh, 10, for now is the authority of Christ because this maturing generation was birthed uh, when that, that woman gave birth to an adult man. And uh, thank you. And, um, and now we, we see now is the power of God. Now is the kingdom. Now is the power of God. Now is the authority of Christ. And that this was something that we were waiting for. And, and here's our season. And so, and then finally, you know, we declare the covenant. You know, we declare the redemption of that covenant that God has so that um, we're constantly pursuing what is your covenant? What is your heart? What does this mean to you? You know, you've said these things. I'm even quoting you a few times here, my beloved. But how many times has God said, you know, find out what this means to me and you'll understand the context of what's happening. You'll understand what your role is. I want you to be the ones, not only who uh, remove that which is causing uh, us to be outside of God's will, but to establish God's will, to establish all of those things by knowing what is in God's heart. And so, what that plan is for this moment that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor mind conceived, whatever that portion is for now, you know, we are the ones that dismantle the scheme of evil to keep that from happening, but we're also the ones that respond and by choice empower God's will, God's way when we declare that covenant, when we declare what God's intention is in, in that area. And so now we are the ones who we're not, we're not looking at the world and we're, you know, it's so easy. If you look at the events of today, if you're feeling helplessness, if you're feeling fear or anger, maybe that's God drawing you back to the light and daily bread and the authority to forgive and the call to declare God's covenant, God's will God's way. And and if we respond in that way, will we not immediately overcome helplessness because we've done something? And with God as our source, there's nothing to fear. And even though we know that terrible things are happening and they're not good, but we're not in a place where where anger would lead us to try to do something on our own. But instead, we process those emotions with God and walk with God through the journey of being the maturing sons and daughters of God who do something about it. So we are participating in the harvest. If we, and this is, here's the last few podcasts, but if we remember who we are and start our day choosing moments of intimacy with God for that day, we're going to be poised to work in the harvest field of the Lord. 
We're going to love people. We're going to rescue people. We're going to see this beautiful heart of God established on the earth. And what else would the maturing sons and daughters of God do but be the royal priests that, um, with authority, bring love to the world and um, are champions of choice and so we're, we're here to deal with the deception, deal with the manipulation, deal with the control and the coercion that are keeping people from seeing the goodness and the love of God. Mm. Yeah, I think we're in the same, we've got, our threads must be in the same needle this morning. I know that's right. <laughs> I know that's right. So, because um, I, I want to talk about reminding as well, and uh I think we have some neat connections here, not knowing what each other is going to share. But I've been really considering some things as entering fully into the month of Savan, the season that we're in. And I've been really um, just trying not to tiptoe around the dimension of knowledge, you know, but really experiencing knowledge in in a way that I haven't before. And so it led me to just keep coming back to Peter when he was writing his letters to those who were kind of in the Asia Minor area. He was writing, and I'll define who that was a little more too, but he was writing to them in... Second uh, Peter chapter 3, because he wrote there's three chapters of his letter, and I love that, that the letters had chapters, because he just had such a full heart for the people. But just in the third chapter, he uses the word knowledge 15 times. And so, as I'm reading that and, and having this deeper understanding of knowledge, you know, in this dimension, we talked about it last week, knowledge is da'at, and it's just all about this personal, intimate relationship. And we talked last week about not, you know, um, Hosea 4.6, talking about my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that lack, the word for lack, balah, it was about a wearing down or gradual withdrawal. And so, it wasn't these, um, you know, what you would call these big moments that pulled them away. It was this wearing down, just a wearing down by what was happening around them and a withdrawal. And that was what caused the lack. And so, the lack was intimacy. So, as I'm considering that, and I've just I felt to go and just kind of dive in to really first and second Peter, but but I think I was, um, I kind of hovered in uh, over the second, second Peter, but, you know, there, there's so much richness in it, in just all the things Peter was saying, and in, um, in second Peter, he, he states that he's reminding, he's reminding, he's reminding, and so just interesting to me that this morning you felt to remind. And uh, of course, we've been in that place of just 
you know, as we've talked about on previous podcasts, tending to the things we've been given and really coming to a a newer and greater understanding of what's been given to us as a people. So, so Peter is writing in, in these chapters to believers that have been scattered by persecution. persecution. And so, these, these believers were Gentiles who had come to know God, and now that they've come to know God, they're being persecuted, they're being ridiculed, really, for their faith, for what they believe they're being ridiculed. And so, Peter just has this real heart for them, and and he kind of, so, you know, remembering crooked crowns, so he, he knows how easy it is for the crown to go crooked, and that... Um, this is a, a a baby bride, you know. This is the the fledgling bride that's just coming forth, that's just been born and is beginning to grow. And he feels very called, not just to the bride, but as the bride, which was what Crooked Crowns was about—the <laughs> picture of the bride that Peter and and the rest of the the crew was. But but Peter was the picture. And so there's some significant things as Peter's writing this letter. He calls himself Simon Peter. And so, you know, here he's got the the name he was given on earth and then the name Jesus gave him. And so he's remembering a to and from, you know, or a from and to, which is is part of knowledge. It's that that motion of back and forth that we talked about last week. So, he's he's recounting where he's been brought to, and now he's talking to these, these new believers and saying, now that you're here, here's some things to know. And so, he's, he's just in this simple thing of calling himself Simon Peter, acknowledging this motion that his life has had, that he has had a, a from and a to, and now that motion is is in his relationship with with Jesus, you know, with the Lord. And then he calls himself a bond servant. So here he is, this apostle. He's very known, you know, to the people. Um, the ones that he's writing, the ones that are around him, but he doesn't identify himself by what the world would consider his greatness. He, he identifies himself according to his relationship with Jesus. And so, he, he calls himself, he identifies that he is in covenant with the Lord and that there's a motion to that too. There's this journey through the covenants and through there's this deepening relationship that's, that's living it's uh, that's part of the living hope that that this relationship is alive. Jesus isn't there now, but he's writing about this living, breathing relationship, and that they they have come into that kind of relationship too. That it's not just what he has, and so he's he's talking about these these this drawing together that is just really 
moved me here in Savan and having just come from Shavuot, which is all about becoming one. And he identified God in his writings as our God. So he began with what they shared, you know, as he wants to remind them not not to leave the table, you know, not to leave this place because this relationship they've come into, this new identity that they have, it's not a casual acquaintance at all, that they've been rescued and that the Lord doesn't rescue and then not invite us to partake in the place we've been brought to, not to partake in everything that is offered. And so Peter just has such a heart to remind them of these things. What, where did they really come to? You know, less, so much less about where they came from. There was a from, but now it's about this motion of the kingdom. It's this motion of relationship. It's this bride being prepared for something that they, they can't even fathom. And, and this understanding that there's much to be revealed to them and shared about that last week too in our word for rest. It's all about the concealed things being revealed. And so he's he's talking to them and it's said several times that he is he's stirring them. So he wants to stir them. And one of the meanings of stir is to move to and fro. So it's all about knowing who God truly is, and He doesn't want them to move into this place of lack because they are losing intimacy because they're being drawn to all these other things. So His his writings to these scattered believers who are just being ridiculed is really focused on one thought, the knowledge of God or the question, will you know Him? Will each day be about knowing Him more? And, and I think that's, that's my own reminder to us, is every day we have the opportunity to know Him, and to know Him as He is manifest today. There's, there's no day He's not manifest for us to be able to see Him, experience Him, and know Him. And so Peter talks about the, the opposite of lack. You know, the truth of knowing God is we're missing nothing that we need. So he, he's telling them, everything you need for life with God is here already. Like, there is no lack. And your the reality of it comes through your relationship with God. So everything we need is here. Everything to live this life, it's, it's already here. There's no lack in knowing Him. There is no lack. And so He begins to, to talk to them about these other sources that are going to come and tell them, you don't have enough. That's always the enemy's plan, right? The garden. Eve, you don't have enough. Adam, you don't have enough. And so the enemy is always coming to try to tell us we don't have enough. Peter speaks to this for them and for us. And he, he begins talking about all the things that, 
that are happening and that there's all this um, information out there. And it's, you know, he really describes it as something very, you know, we can understand as a disinformation campaign. You know, that didn't begin here. There have been disinformation campaigns from the beginning. And so he's telling them the enemy will use things. He will use um, disinformation. He will use countering things to try to undermine the work of Jesus in your life. He will use these things and it will generally begin with, you don't have enough. And that is the thing that um, pulls us towards other sources and other places instead of where, where we are and whose we are. You know, at that time, there were all these plots by governments using disinformation to confuse people and it was always in an effort to defeat their enemies. So they would, you know, I think in this day, we'd call it wag the dog, where, you know, things are shared to try to bring confusion. So there's this defeat. Well, who is being defeated? Well, Peter's saying, they're try- you know, the attempt is to defeat you, is to undermine the work of Jesus in your life to get you to try to defend yourself or find other things to protect and provide. It's just always the plan. So Peter, and I'm not going verse by verse through these, I'm just, it's the essence of, of my week in, in these chapters, but he gives the people a call not to be nearsighted. And what does that mean? Well, when we're only looking immediately instead of eternally we can't see the f- the fullness of the image and likeness of god around us we can't see it in us so we forget who we are we can't see it in another person so we don't know who they are but ultimately we're no longer seeing god everywhere that we are and so peter it just feels very very called that they not be nearsighted. And and he says several times that he feels called in these moments to stir them up, that they would be stirred or that they would be awakened to the to and fro, to that back and forth motion of the presence of God where you never leave His presence, but there's this relationship, there's this intimacy, there's this dialogue that is happening that that anchors you in that relationship. So he um, he begins talking to them, you know, and this is Second Peter chapters one through three, and so I won't go through all of it as I said, but but he he says a few things that that you'll neither be barren or unfruitful in your knowledge of God, like you never will know lack in this relationship. You will always be having more revealed. You'll always be having more to know, more to learn, more to see. And 
And he says, I'm here to remind you, and I'm going to do this as long as I'm in this tent. And Peter just considered his body a tent, you know, a temporary dwelling. But his heart, while in that tent, was to remind the people, this is what's real. This is what's true. And man, I feel it. I feel feel that right now. Just, this is what's real. This is what's true. And as long as I'm in this tent, this is what I'm going to keep talking about. It's what you're going to keep talking about. It's the reality of God throughout our entire history, but right now. And that's what Peter was doing He throughout um, this, these letters. He was talking to them of the things of old, the, the you know, the, the Torah, the the Word of God. He was talking to them about that. And then the now is when you bring it into your life right here. The Word of the Lord, the truth of who He is, who you've known Him to be, you're bringing it present. You know, this new covenant is being formed, and He's telling them how to dwell in that reconciled place of the two, you know, of the old and the new, and living it fully right where they are. So, he he speaks to them about, you know, we're not here to follow fables. Like, I know the power of His coming. I know the power of Him coming into a life. And I've been an eyewitness, Peter says, to His majesty. And so, if you think of all the things that Peter, you know, was part of, You know, it wasn't just this, you know, he didn't list one thing that happened. And that did it for me. He was like, it was a life lived as an eyewitness to who he was, to who Jesus truly was, that, you know, this this message is no myth. You're going to be hearing lots of myths around you and fables, but this is true. This message is not a myth. This is everything. It's, it's the majesty. And he describes it as, this is what I gave my life to him for. And what a question to ask ourselves truly. What did we give our lives to him for? You know, we all came in in different ways, right? And, and, and with different expectations, sometimes instead of simply expectancy, like, this is going to happen because, but to have a moment like where Peter is describing, talking about his, his relationship with Jesus, his life with Christ, his life in Christ, and his life as Christ, as an extension of Jesus on the earth. And he's like, this is what I gave my life to Christ for. And so I've been asking that, you know, what did I give my life to Him for? What am I giving my life to Him for today? So then Peter says something uh, interesting. He's already in, in chapter 1 of Second Peter talked about stirring them up. But now in chapter 3, in the very beginning, he says he's stirring up pure minds. And that word used in this context, is to wake from sleep, to activate minds, to, to awaken knowing, is the meaning of stir. 
So he wants to stir up pure minds. And that's interesting to me as we've talked about our train filling the temple, um, his train filling the temple of us, and that's all about thoughts. And so Peter wants to stir up pure minds. And that didn't mean that the people he was talking to were having impure thoughts. It meant they already had pure thoughts in them, and those were thoughts of God. That was the mind of Christ. You know, they've been learning about the mind of Christ, thinking, not just doing the tasks that Jesus did, doing the same things He did, you know, and it becomes this job, but about thinking like Him, seeing like Him, you know, tasting like Him, smelling like Him, like the fullness of life of Him is to experience as He did. And so, He's talking about stirring up their pure minds or the thoughts that are God's within them. And I've been like really doing this, you know, since I started diving into these letters, like, wait, when I feel something foreign come, and I know I'm you know, the temptation is to be drawn to another place. I'm just saying, oh, would you stir up? Would you stir up your thoughts within me? And oh my goodness, I, it's, I can't even put words to it right now, but you don't have to really wrestle the other things because it's like having wheat in the chaff. All of a sudden you start, you just enter into the imagination of God to the heart of what he's doing to to why he wants to do it with you and there's just not much room for those those things like peter was talking to the people about like all of this information all of these things are going to invade your thoughts they're going to come in they are going to come in but you're going to have your st- your pure mind stirred, the mind of Christ, that which already is in you, not that which you have to fight for, but that which you tend to by just stir up these thoughts, stir up the thoughts that belong to you, that belong to us together, stir up the thoughts of our experience together, remind me, remind me where we've been, what we've done, where we're going, remind me, I want to dwell there. You know, you wouldn't really want impure thoughts stirred, you know. And so, this isn't about that they have sinned, that they've made a mess. It's about, like, this is what will keep your path straight, stirring up the thoughts that are your inheritance, that are your experience, that are the truth of, of where you've been. Now that you're here, let's remain here. Now that you've chosen this, let's keep choosing this every day. And so, he he talked about that I'm just here to stir up your pure minds that you'll be mindful. And that mindful just means that you'll keep seeking out what is he thinking? What does it mean to him? What would it mean to him if this life changed? You know, this is a a beginning thing from 15 years ago too. What would it mean to him if this heart turned, if this situation was different? And and so he talks about that that everything the world is being preserved by by the word of God by the 
truth, by the likeness, the image, the fullness of God. And he shares about the long-suffering of, of God with humanity, you know, and it's, he's not up there lamenting it. He's not among us lamenting it. He's, he has a desire in it, and it's that all should repent, that all should return. And so part of that acknowledgement for them was he wants all. His heart is for all. There's, there's not one left after left out of that. And so he's stirring them. He's reminding him that there's a place where Papa is on the earth, and you can always recognize it by peace. To occupy the place of peace and grow in the knowledge of Him. He said this numerous times, grow in the knowledge of Him. Grow in intimacy with Him. Not just stories, but your story. You know, story tells us, retells our experience with, with God, with who He is. And so He talks to them that those that will come and say that they will scoff, they'll scoff what is believed in that moment. They'll, they'll scoff about what the hope is, and that even so, you remain, you remain. So he, he tells them, you know, people come and say, nothing has changed since the beginning of creation. The world has always been dot, dot, dot. And um, that's the message, is that God is not doing anything. So Peter is telling them, look with great expectation for the coming Savior, you know. And, and here you've got the people around them, the scoffers, as Peter calls them, saying, God's not doing anything. And, and so Peter is talking to them for sure about the return of Jesus, you know, the return of him. But he's not just talking about this future tense day. He's talking to them that God comes into your life every day. So when you say he's coming soon, that's absolute truth, because you know He's coming today into your, into your life, into your circumstance, into your situation. And because He comes and because you look for Him with great expectancy, life's going to change. Life in that day is going to change. There will be a transformation in your present and, and the counter of that, the counterfeit of it is your steadfastness means nothing. Your faithfulness is not fruitful. And that's what the enemy is always trying to get us to believe. And Peter's saying, don't fall from your steadfastness. Don't fall from this place. There, there was a day when the fathers fell asleep, but I'm waking you up. So you'll be a generation that tells so that no one forgets. You know, that was what, what happened in the story of Gideon. There were so few that remembered, that had the awe or the knowledge of God, not just of what He did, but who He really was and what His heart was for them and who they were in Him. And, and I feel like Peter was saying, you will never grow, you will never outgrow these things. And that's, that's what the, 
the counter says is, you're too big for this now. Go find, you know, more land instead of the, the, just the beauty of remaining and knowing that there's a mystery to be revealed. There's more land being opened. The, the tent pegs are always moving with Papa because he's infinite. And so Peter speaks to that infiniteness of, of knowing God, of the knowledge of God, like it is so vast, you can't see across it. You can't see down into it fully, like talked about last week when you're in a boat. You can only see so much when you're looking at the water, but there's just a wealth beneath it. There's all kinds of life there. There's all kinds of things that you can't even imagine there. So, um, Peter was saying, stay and grow. He's infinite. He, in this infinite place, Elohim, they, there's this sameness to them, but it's not boring because every day there's something we haven't seen yet. There's always more. The infiniteness of Elohim doesn't need to grow right? We get to grow into the vastness of that infiniteness of grace, of love, of hope, of relationship. And it's all, it's all about that knowledge, that relationship. And it will be relationship, not rhetoric, that changes the world. And so, you know, as Peter was talking about the experience of this relationship, that's us too. We get to reveal to somebody every day that He comes, that He always comes, that He never leaves, but that we've, we were rescued not just for the sake of rescue, but to partake in these things and to stay stirred, to stay awake and aware to who He is right now, to who He's always been, and who He is right now. And that, the, you know, I, I believe the, the essence of what Peter was saying is, your life will testify. People know a life that God came into. They know a living hope. They know when hope is living. And no matter what is happening around them and around you, they know they know when you're, it's more than words, but when it's a heartbeat, they know when you believe, when we believe, He came. Like He came right in. And yes, I do live in a hope of His coming, and it's not just a future event, it's that he's, He came today. And because He came today, I was changed. And maybe I was still in the same circumstance, but I saw it differently. And because I saw it differently, my thoughts were stirred. You know, my pure mind was stirred. I could see it the way he saw it. It changed. You know, I was transformed in the middle of it. And there's this ongoing transforming that's just one of the most beautiful things of kingdom life. What joy it is for us to get to choose every day that today gets to be about knowing Him more and be transformed because we are awakened, you know? We are stirred. And we want our thoughts to be stirred. We want our hearts to be stirred. 
want our lives to be stirred. Yeah, his thoughts are already in us. His thoughts about us, about the person next to us, about what just happened in the world. And they just can be stirred, and they're right there. The mind, his mindfulness of us. That's really what it is. He's ever mindful of us, and he stirs us to be mindful of him. How incredible is that? Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Elohim, yeah. for being mindful of little old us. Yeah, and reminding us. Because we really want to be mindful of you. Yeah. And thank you all for letting us remind you yeah. <laughs> this morning. But a joy it is. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see you tonight. We will see you tonight. We love you. Goodbye.